Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Facebook is just mimicking what consumers are doing. They're just facilitating it. They're just the platform. Yep. The consumers are the ones that are making this decision. 100%. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode number 131 of Perpetual Traffic. We got the gang back in town. Ralph, Molly, and myself, Keith, all together. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing awesome. Happy to be here. Happy New Year, Happy everybody. New Year. Happy New Year. Woo-hoo! Yeah. It's the second episode of the New Year, but uh, it's the first one we've been on together, so we were just getting caught up. So Team cuddle. Hopefully you're doing great right now listening to this and excited. And, and today, what we're going to be talking about actually is throughout the season, every single year, you go into the holiday season and... All the retailers are all in on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and guess what happens? Prices go up. Competition. Competition. Now everybody panics. Prices go way up and everybody's freaking out. Panic! And it starts early. Ah! It starts earlier every year, right? Everybody wants to beat the Black Friday craze, <laughs> so it starts in October. Black Friday kicked my butt this year. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people's butt. It was like Black November this year, right? But the prices start going up in September and October. And I think the good news is, and, and Ralph's going to touch on this as well, is started to see prices come down a little bit already as we've mm-hmm. headed into January. So that's good news. Yeah. I mean, I think with that competition, though, in December, I mean, if you've got a Christmas related product, I mean, it's a feeding frenzy because you might be paying more you know, for a click, but you're, there's so many more buyers online that yep. are ready to buy. So it's it sometimes, yep. it, you know, the two sides of it sort of do balance out. And I, I think for a lot of people who have consumer-based products in December, yeah. they probably had a really good month in Facebook provided that they knew what yeah. they were doing. Well, and Ralph too, I think if you're making a monetization play during the holidays, which most retailers are, yeah. you know, you have a big sale going on, 
It's not that you shouldn't run Facebook ads, right? It's just that those normal evergreen acquisition campaigns that you're using to generate leads, generate new customers, and really to just break even so that you can acquire as many customers as possible, those get a little bit more expensive, right? Which makes you feel uncomfortable. So I think a big part of the season is understanding what types of ads to run too. So this year I turned down, you know, a lot of digital marketers uh, conversion campaigns that were optimizing for lead generation to cold traffic, but we ran a pretty big campaign to our warm audiences about the 12 days of deals uh, where Digital Marketer gave away, you know, different products at, at a special discount. That did really well. So I think a lot around the holidays, some people freak out and just quit running traffic altogether. But to realize, yes, it is expensive, but what purpose am I using it for during the holidays? What mindset are people in. And I, I think it's a great time to monetize your audience, even B2B. DM ran discounts on certifications, right? Definitely not something you're going to put under the Christmas tree, but businesses are still spending money. Those same business owners or CEOs or VPs of marketing or whomever at the business that are buying stuff for their business are also probably buying things for their kids, right? So they are in, in somewhat of a business mode because they're a human. Yeah, for sure. So for internal lists and for sales that you guys are talking about, absolutely. I mean, we, we've even had customers in the month of December where they basically pulled back most of their ads just because they're in a niche where it's weight loss, health and wellness. Yeah. You know, you one customer, they have two products that are one is stop over drinking, stop overeating. I mean, it's like between Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. and Christmas, you don't you're not going to have an audience that's going to be receptive <laughs> to that message. It's just not going to work. So you know, our cost per acquisition <laughs> increased. And now a lot of that stuff is now normalizing, which is great because you've got the flip side of all that debauchery and, you know, November and December, you know, from that perspective, because now people are in the New Year's resolution mode, which is really good. So exactly. CPAs have definitely normalized for us, if not even gotten better. I mean, I'm looking at all our accounts in the agency and most of them are all green, which is always a good sign. Yeah. And especially like we mentioned the B2B, if you do have any audience that is in that kind of business to business environment, now is the time, January, February is when people are really, really excited and looking to grow their business. Let's get into it. So we're going to be talking about five really troubleshooting tactics you can use to reduce your costs, improve your ROI. So if you're looking at your campaigns and you're like, oh, something's going on here. My prices are creeping up. My conversion costs, my ROI is not as high as I wanted it to be. We're going to give you some tactical stuff today. First, before Ralph's going to get into that, I want to touch on a very important philosophical holistic view of how the algorithm works and not only how the algorithm works but how people in general work remember these audiences are human beings so you want to always think about when you're writing your ad copy when you're thinking about what to put in front of them how would you talk to that person in a real social environment also you get rewarded when you have engaging messaging, right? We've talked about this lots of times. Right? The Eddie formula, if you have an ad that has either educates, demonstrates, informs, and or entertains, you'll get rewarded for that by the algorithm. And you'll get more impressions, cheaper clicks, cheaper views, and hopefully lower conversion costs. So there's one way to look at it. Let's say that you're going to be going out and launching a campaign this week. How can you create content that people will resonate with, you'll get high positive feedback with maybe a Facebook Live that has a call to action to it. And 
get rewarded by that algorithm. They're like, whoa, people like this. I'm going to put this message in front of more people for a lower cost. But the other thing is, if I'm getting ready to launch a campaign this week, people might not realize this, but Facebook is looking at your brand as a whole your Facebook page. If any of you guys are remember the SEO days, the search engine optimization days where domain authority was a big deal, right? Everybody downloaded these mm-hmm. Firefox plugins and stuff like that where you could go and look at your URL <laughs> domain authority. Remember that? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still important, but how important it is, I don't know. But the point is, is that your page has an authority score inside Facebook in their algorithm, okay? We don't have proof exactly how this works, but we have tested cases. I do know for a fact that if you have a page that's engaging, so for example, let's say you did three Facebook Lives last week, and then you go get ready to launch a a campaign this week, focus on selling a product or getting webinar registrations. Your campaigns might generate conversion costs at $5. But let's say that, Last week, you know, you did three Facebook Lives a week the last five weeks straight. And then you took one week off and didn't do any Facebook Lives. The next week, you went and launched that same conversion-focused campaign where you were trying to generate webinar registrations. Well, now, instead of costing you $5, it might cost you $9. And that might yeah. sound kind of crazy, but I'm telling you, it makes an impact. Facebook, and, and not even just Facebook, think about people in general, but, but the algorithm itself, when you are consistently engaging with your audience, whether it's commenting, long copy, Facebook Lives, organically, whether you're boosting those or not, when you run your conversion-focused campaigns, you get rewarded. That's all I'm going to tell you. We were talking about this before we started recording. This podcast has been going for over two and a half years, which is crazy. But at the beginning of Perpetual Traffic, this is kind of what we talked about, the balancing of branding and direct response, yep. right? Giving value first. That is still the name of the game. I was talking to a client earlier this morning about a Facebook Messenger strategy. And first, we talked about the direct response aspect, right? How we were going to use you know, a certain Messenger strategy to, to generate tripwire sales. But then the other half of the conversation was, what is our communication strategy going to be through Messenger, right? What are we going to send them once or twice a week to continue to engage and build that relationship? You know, what free content can we send? What questions can we ask to get to know them better? I think any marketing campaign that you set up in 2018 or anything you do in your business really has to focus on both sides of this, right? Am I maintaining the relationship with the customer through Facebook Live, through blogging, through content, through, you know, whatever medium or distribution source you want? to use and then balancing that with the more uh, direct response, number of leads generated, number of sales generated. So I, I think it's a hugely important concept. And I think that Facebook, that is where they are going. The relevance score is only going to become more important. And I think people are having a lot of frustrations on Facebook right now. They're not getting impressions. They're not getting the results they want because they just haven't stepped far enough over to this, you know, more branding, more giving first mindset. So I think today the topic is even more important because, you know, you have to do these things to succeed with Facebook ads. And if you're not, you're probably not getting good results. Here's the thing. I'm betting on Mark Zuckerberg and I'm betting on like Jeff Bezos. And 
the reason why I'm saying this is because Mark Zuckerberg in general runs Facebook with a massively long-term outlook and approach. And their algorithm is the same way. They want people to be on Facebook to hang out there. They don't want to just generate revenue. They're always looking for the long-term strategy. And so we have to do the same thing as marketers. And I'm excited. Over the next few episodes, we're actually going to be going a little bit deeper into some of this stuff and giving you guys some more tactical ways to do this. I mentioned it a little bit on the episode 129 in in the segment of the predictions episode. I recently did a Facebook Live on the Entrepreneur Magazine page. I can link to it in the show notes. Molly's got a great recent article that she wrote that we can link to in the show notes as well about how to do some of this tactically And then, like I said, we're going to be going deep into super simple systems, actually, how to, if you're not somebody that can create tons and tons of content and do tons of Facebook lives, that's okay. We've got solution for you so you can systemize this. And and we did talk about this at the beginning of this podcast. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why we haven't as much in the last year or so, and, and the reason why, for me at least, is because people were getting a little bit overwhelmed and they were like, I, I can't do this. It's too much. And so we started focusing more on really creating that really good conversion mechanism so you have that momentum to keep going. But the problem is, is we have a lot of people, they don't keep going. So all they do is they have the conversion campaigns going and they just want to raise their budget to scale. Yeah, it's very timely. I mean, you've got to be a legitimate business. You can't just be a fly-by-night company that comes on, throws up a Facebook page, and then expects to get impressions and conversions and engagement. You can do that you know, to a certain degree, but to really scale and to really leverage the power of the platform, you have to pay attention to all these things that Facebook wants. Facebook wants you to be doing Facebook Lives. They want you to have engaging content on your page. They want you to be a legitimate business. The newsfeed is full, you know? The inventory in the newsfeed is sold out. So you've got to be an even better marketer to beat out the competition, so to speak, for the top spot in the auction. And there's really, there's, you know, one through three in the auction and you want to be number one. The best ads and Facebook is looking for any little thing to knock people down and not even make it into the auction, which we'll talk about here today in just a second. But legitimacy and, you know, keeping brand in mind is paramount. I think it's more important now than it ever has been. They want you to be a brand and being a good brand is not a short-term approach. You've got to have a long-term strategy. It's not just about they want you to look like a brand so that they're only working with like real companies, right? This comes down to the consumer, right? This comes down to us, everyone listening to this. Think about your consumer behavior and how it's changed over the past five to 10 years. I know that I definitely would rather spend a little bit more to buy from a brand that I align with in other ways than just what I'm buying. The consumers are making this decision, right? The consumers want to engage with brands that they know, like, and trust, but also brands that entertain them, brands that do good things in the world, brands that, you know, have really good marketing and that give value first. So I think a lot of people like to blame this on Facebook. Facebook is just mimicking what consumers are doing, right? They're just facilitating it. They're just the platform, right? The consumers are the ones that are making this decision. 100%. You're going to have short-term strategies that generate conversions, but you've got to have a long-term approach too, simultaneously, period. So... We're going to get into some more of that over the next few weeks. But today we got some, uh, some good stuff here. 
Ralph, you've got five specific things that people can take action on and troubleshooting tactics. What do you think here? Yeah, well, this is something we're seeing as an issue is that ads are running and then all of a sudden they stop getting impressions. They stop getting any sort of reach. And there's typically a reason for it, but it's been a frustrating thing for us because as much as we would like the Facebook ad platform to be a set it and forget it environment, wouldn't that be nice? It's just, it's not. We might not have a job then, Ralph. So. I, know, I know. So that's, that's what I keep telling the guys in the agency. I'm like, you know, if this was easy, then anybody could do it, you know, and you probably wouldn't have a job here. The newsfeed is chock full, especially the mobile newsfeed, desktop newsfeed. That's why Facebook is looking for other ways in which to show your ads and audience network and in-stream videos and you know Instagram stories. So with that in mind, they also want to make sure that the user experience is as best as it possibly can be and balance the demands of Wall Street with advertising revenue with you know, how users actually behave on the platform. Because if you alienate your users with lousy ads or too many ads, then none of us will have a platform here to even advertise on. So I think you don't want to try to hack the system and do things away from what Facebook wants, but you do want to actually look at your ads, see how they're performing, analyze them, look at the data, and we'll give you a few tactics here in which to, uh, to troubleshoot any ads that you have that maybe have cost per acquisition has creeped up or they're just not getting as many impressions or they're not getting as much reach as they maybe had in in 2017. So what's number one? All right. So number one that we see is, and this is one that's not easy to find necessarily. If you have an ad that's just not getting as many impressions. So impressions is how many times people in general see your ad. Reach is how many times individual people see. So we look at reach and impressions sort of one of the same. So you might have a thousand reach, but 1200 impressions. That means, you know, 200 of those people that you showed your ad to have seen it now twice, ostensibly. Maybe some have seen it three times, maybe some have seen it twice. But the point is, is that you're actually showing your ad more and impressions than you actually are getting in reach. So we look at reach, like how much are we actually reaching our customer? And if we have ads that have been doing well, and then suddenly that reach just sort of starts declining, maybe down to the point where it's zero, we look at these five things. So the first thing is we look at the relevant score. And relevant score you can look at under the drop down in columns inside your ad for performance and clicks. So performance and clicks is the drop down that you want to look at. And also that's where a lot of data is shown. And and we actually talk about this in a lot of sort of uh, ways in which we explain troubleshooting. Performance and clicks, that little drop down inside the ads manager is key for you because if you're finding that your ads are, are not getting impressions or your cost per acquisition is increasing, you might be able to troubleshoot it through that little drop down inside ads manager. So if your relevance score is low, Probably the reason for it is because you have high negative feedback and probably lower positive feedback. So think about positive and negative feedback as just sort of two sides to a seesaw. And if the negative feedback tips higher than the positive feedback, that's an indication to Facebook that you might not be entered into as many auctions. You might not be able to be shown in the newsfeed. It's an indication to them that maybe an ad with more higher or higher positive feedback than negative feedback might actually win out. 
and win and beat you in that auction to show to that particular person in your audience. So the best way to do this for us is to just simply create new ads. We found this to be true that there's long running ads that maybe have accumulated negative feedback over time. Maybe it's sort of a balance between positive and negative feedback. But the point is, is that if you're getting this sort of issue, all you can do is you can really just create a brand new ad, oftentimes with the same ad copy, same image. We do something called uh, alteration scaling, where you'll take the same basic message, maybe slightly alter it with a slightly different hook, maybe a different image, show it to the same audience, and you almost like reset that positive and negative feedback. So Ralph, on that, where it can be really good in the beginnings of a campaign and even for months to have you know one ad that's aggregating all of this social proof on it to build this really high relevance score, well, eventually that can work against you too, right? Because if you're relying on an ad that has a high relevance score and then it starts to get marked as spam, you start to get high negative feedback, then you know it's time to create a new ad with a new post ID and slightly different variation. There's another way to look at it. I don't want to get too techie here, but I mean, there is another way to actually really look at that Oh, post. come on. Let's get techie. All right. Let's get techie. Let's get techie. For you non-techies, just your mouse for a minute. Yeah, just don't <laughs> listen to a word I say for the next two minutes. Um, but no, there's, there's a way to actually look at your individual ad in a deeper way. Like, you know, inside Ads Manager, you can look at this performance and clicks. There's also video engagement. If you're running a video ad, we tend to, to look at performance, which is sort of the default drop down, which is conversions and what your cost per acquisition is and so forth. But there is a way to actually look at your ad a little bit more in depth and see what people are doing and how they're reacting to it. If you click on your ad and open up, there's a little sort of window about halfway down on the right-hand side inside your ad itself, inside Ads Manager. There's a little window with an arrow that's pointing upwards to the right. If you click on that and then actually open up your ad under See Post, then it creates the post ID for you in a separate window. And the last numbers after forward slash posts is a number. It's typically, it's like a 12-digit number. You can copy that number then go back into Ads Manager, and then in the upper left-hand corner of Ads Manager, I told you this was going to get techie, guys. You do your drop-down in your upper left-hand corner where it's like the little Facebook logo is, and uh -huh. look for page posts. If you click on page posts, you'll actually open up a brand new screen where all your page posts reside. So remember that an ad inside Facebook is all it is, is a, right. it's a post on your page. You know, Some are shown on your page, some aren't shown on your page. Then with that number that you've just copied, which is your post ID, paste that into the little search box and you'll actually see that post ID come up. And then when you click on it, you can see how people are reacting to it. Yeah. There's one for video, there's one for post, there's one for shares, which is, I guess, a beta. Then there's also metrics for all the video, like this is a video ad, the one that I'm particularly looking at here. So, but under post, you can see performance for your post and you can see exactly how many likes, how many loves, how many ha-has, how many comments. And most importantly, on the bottom, negative feedback. How many people have hid your post? How many yeah. people have reported it as spam? 
So yeah. when you're trying to diagnose this, we'll show some you know screenshots in the show notes here to help you guys out with this. This is a really big deal. Like you're like, right. why am I not getting impressions? It might be because you have too many hide posts. You have too many reports as spam, which is yeah. really bad. Too many people that don't like it. You know, Ralph, that's also a good tip. If you guys have someone managing the comments on your Facebook ads, that's a great area for them to go to make sure you know they're answering every page post idea in there that's getting traction. I mean, we tend to run all our ads and Facebook now does this by default to a singular post ID. Let's say we're doing a Michigan method. We tend to use that post ID for all our ads. So if you're creating variations of like you're testing 10 different audiences, for example, you wouldn't test 10 different post IDs to those 10 different audiences. You would use the same post ID. And now, thankfully, Facebook, when you duplicate ads, it does this by default. It didn't do it six months ago, which is which is great. But the point is, is you're trying to aggregate all your social proof on one post as opposed yep. to diffusing it into lots of different posts. That's but a game changer. It's a game changer, especially if you have somebody who's managing comments like a community manager, social media manager, sending them those URLs for those post IDs, for those actual ads, which is what we do to our customers so that they can manage them. It's far easier. So instead of them managing 300 post IDs, they're managing maybe six or seven or eight. And it's far easier to manage comments, which is which is a big deal. You know, even though comments themselves may or may not relate back to positive and negative feedback. That's something that Facebook has been a little bit sketchy on. You know, you should have somebody monitoring your comments. When you have more comments, it's higher engagement. So that's good. The one thing I'm sure you're probably already going to say this, but is be, for those of you that haven't looked at this, some of you are going to be like, oh my gosh, I have all this negative feedback and you're going to freak out. Remember with volume comes some negative feedback. So it's all relevant. Yeah. You have to compare, you know, one ad to another ad. And so you're going to get some no matter what. The question is, is how much? If you're going to take this platform seriously, you've got to get into the weeds with some of this stuff in 2018, guys. But if you look under negative feedback and you see a lot of people are hiding your post, that's a very bad signal to Facebook. They haven't told us how bad. All I'll say is it's bad. That means that you might be running the risk of even your ad account being at risk mm -hmm. if you have too much of that. And I think there's going to be some metrics from, you know, the last time that we met with Facebook in Austin a few months back, they actually said there might be some new metrics that they're going to actually show you inside the ads manager, how much negative feedback you're getting. Okay. So you can preempt that, which would be great. It's not ready yet, but it's something I think that would be really helpful for a lot of advertisers. But their algorithm is tracking it. You can be darn sure. Absolutely. They're looking at everything because the newsfeed is chock full and they're looking for any little thing. Any way to rank. And I mean, if you have negative feedback, that probably means that your ad copy creative, the overall messaging of your campaign is too aggressive, which means you're either showing an offer to a person at the wrong time, right? You're trying to sell your most expensive product to cold traffic or your language is way too hypey right? If you have a good product or service, think of other words to use to promote that. Then, you know, all caps, this is a huge sale. You know, I've also heard through the grapevine that there are certain words now that Facebook is using to filter basically how promotional your ads are kind of like email. 
So if you're using a lot of really salesy words, you know, that would get you into the promo tab with email marketing, Facebook is probably pretty similar. So again, write your ads like you're writing to another human, not like you're broadcasting, you know, the biggest sale of all time at the furniture store on the radio. <laughs> I think there is definitely some correlation there, Molly, without a doubt. And we've seen this when we post on pages just to get like good pre-engagement content for customers, the less promotional, the more reach and the more impressions they get and, and more engagement from audiences. I think this goes back to just good copywriting. And I think, you know, Keith, you as a student of Roy H. Williams, he says, you know, that one of the things that you should never, ever do as an advertiser is use lots of adjectives. This is the best, the greatest you know, the biggest, yeah, exactly. the superlatives. Yeah. So that's just bad ad copywriting. And I do think that Facebook probably is even looking at stuff like that. So they know so much. And it's just boring, right? Don't talk about you. Don't talk about your product or service. Talk about what's going to happen for the end user. Talk about that transformation that they're going to go through if they do what you're asking them to do. Yep, that's it. Number two, and this is one that I think is far more easy to diagnose. Like the diagnosis is, okay, I'm not getting any impressions. Let me look at my ad itself. And specifically, let me look at my creative. My creative, which you refer to as either the ad image or the video, and look at how much text is actually in either the thumbnail that you've chosen for the video or the image itself. So you can still go back to the text tool. Facebook actually has a text tool, which we can leave in the show notes here to actually check out You know whether or not you're under the 20% rule of too much text inside your image. But sometimes this is just the most basic of changes. You just look at your image. If there's writing <laughs> or any sort of overlay on my image or my thumbnail, is it 20% of the image, if not more? If it's half the image, you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's a quarter of the image, you probably have a problem and you're not going to get impressions. So, you know, and you can pull out the image and check it with the text overlay tool. If you use the text overlay tool, which we'll leave in the show notes, like I said, you can actually see whether or not the image passes muster with Facebook. So sometimes we've actually found it that the images do actually pass this test, but still they get no impressions because they're borderline. So we tend to not use what we refer to as headline images. A headline image is something with text in it that makes it look kind of like an ad. We tend to not do those. We use far more lifestyle type of images and you know images that are relevant to the ad copy and the hook, obviously. But we tend to not use text. But sometimes you do get text in there. So that might be an easy diagnosis and an easy cure. So just swap out the image either on the thumbnail, on your video, or the, the image in your ad itself. Whippee! So number three, and this is a, a more challenging one, and especially if you've got ad sets that aren't converting on a regular basis. Let's say it's a higher cost per acquisition or you're trying to make a, a sale for you know a couple of hundred dollars. You really this is one that we've noticed that is definitely an issue because the algorithm as far as how ads optimize has definitely changed. And in fact, Back on episode 95, we talked with uh, Andrew about this specifically and how the algorithm really does work. And I think at that point in time, we said each ad set needs at least 15 to 25 conversions per ad set per week in order to feed the algorithm enough data 
so that it can then show your ad in front of the right segment of the audience you're targeting. So I'll say that again. So each ad set needs to have at least 15 to 25 conversions per week in order to feed the algorithm, in order to get impressions. And so they know who to show your ad to in that audience of 2 million. Well, since that point in time, Facebook has actually started to recommend that you need 50 conversions per ad set per week. Woo! So this isn't per ad necessarily. This is or per campaign. It's per ad set still. So what we do know about the, the algorithm is that ad sets don't really talk to each other. Like, let's say you're targeting an ad set with the entrepreneur interest. And then the next ad set is with the fast company magazine interest. Well, those two ad sets aren't talking to each other and sharing the know. same data. They don't know what the other one's doing. In fact, they're probably competing against each other, which we'll talk about in another diagnosis yeah. here. But the point is, is that each one of those ad sets needs at least 50 conversions Per week. I see so many people make this mistake. They'll set, they'll optimize for the purchase of a $500 product, which happens three times a week, right? And then the campaign, it just pitters out. You know, when we do our, our Michigan method stuff, it, we tend to test at very small budgets to start with the expectation that, hey, in two, three, four weeks, a lot of these ad sets might actually just peter out and they might just stop getting impressions, which is fine because then we sort of take the next step to get those best audiences together, best lookalikes together in larger budget ad sets. It was a learning phase. Exactly. It's yeah. a testing and learning phase. And Facebook right now, I mean, with dynamic, you know, dynamic creative, which is coming on all ad sets, will maybe even mitigate that whole issue of, of not being able to really test accurately inside Facebook. Mm. But that's another episode, I think. But the point is this, is that <laughs> if you're not getting at least 50 conversions per ad set per week, you might consider a couple of different things. You might consider optimizing for one step up mm. in the funnel. I think that's why they added, you know, when you optimize for conversions now, you have the opportunity to optimize for link clicks first. Now, if you choose the traffic objective, it will ask if you basically want to optimize for landing page views first. So Facebook is hinting like, hey, maybe you want to optimize a little earlier in the funnel. Now, I know my numbers and I know when to choose, you know, which objective. But yeah, optimizing earlier in the funnel is a great way to fix that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, it, we've seen sort of mixed results with this. I mean, I, I don't think this is the greatest cure, but sometimes if we optimize for add to cart instead of purchase or maybe landing page view, we'll get more people that view the landing page but don't necessarily purchase or right. maybe add to cart more but don't really purchase. But it's a way to kind of get around it so you are feeding positive feedback back to the algorithm. The diagnosis for this is, you know, you really should have, if you figure it out, it's 50 conversions per ad set per week. You need at least seven to 10 conversions a day, you know, on that conversion event in order for your ad set to sustain. So if you've got a $5 CPA, let's say, you should probably have a daily budget of 50 bucks at least. So if you've tested and find that in this market, I'm getting a $5, you know, cost per lead, you know, maybe some ad sets are four and some are six and some are seven, you know, whatever it happens to be, but maybe your average is five. You should probably have about a $50 a day budget, you know, if not more. Now, Facebook says you need 50 conversions per ad set per week, but you want actually more than that. They want a hundred, hundred plus. So the more data you give them, the better the ad set's going to perform. So, in that hypothetical example, let's say you are having a $5 CPA, 
but you have a $10 a day budget, you're only going to get 14 conversions per week, best case scenario. Maybe some days you won't even get 14 conversions per week. The point is, is that you're underserving in that ad set. So you have to figure out those two metrics. Either you start to optimize for a conversion event, you know, further up in the funnel, add to cart, landing page view, whatever it happens to be. Or you can, if your budget can handle it, and if your business can handle it, expand your budget, you know, so that you can get that requisite seven to 10 conversions per day. So you hit the 50 per week. And remember, this is something that people continually ask Facebook. So they, they, they want to give you that number of 50, but it's just understanding the algorithm as a whole. So if you're getting 48 or 49, you know, you're probably doing okay. If, if you're getting more than 50, 60 or 70, Facebook's going to be able to optimize even better. So it's, it's still a general rule of thumb because people want that specific number. It's not like it's changed anything major, but the point is, is that it's at the ad set level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know as if stuff has changed dramatically. I think the algorithm has like Evolved. it's a new version. It's a ver it's like, you know, you download the new iPhone iOS, which the new iPhone iOS sucks, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> the old ones are worse because they're updating them, slow them down, but that's another conversation. I know. I know, it's a whole other thing. But it's like if there's a new version of the of the algorithm. It seems like it comes out like every month or so and you don't have to download it. It automatically happens. It's just there. <laughs> Number four, if you're not getting impressions or reach is, and this is a biggie. I'm sure you've probably seen this a lot as well, Keith. Too much audience overlap between ad sets. So in that example that we just used, let's say you have the entrepreneur um, interest and then you have the fast company interest and they're two ad sets and they're in the same campaign and you're trying to get that $5 conversion. Okay. So another thing to look at is what we refer to as audience overlap. Now audience overlap has always been there as to whether or not this was a factor maybe a year ago. It probably isn't quite as much, but recently it has. And I think Facebook now actually prompts you to look for audience overlap right inside the ads manager. But what we tend to do is if you have two audiences, let's say the entrepreneur audience and the fast company magazine audience are overlapping too much, Facebook will then choose one of those ad sets to show your ad in front of. You won't get both. If your audience overlap is too much and the audience overlap tool, which is actually inside audiences, oddly enough, is if you can compare two audiences together. And if you have an audience overlap that exceeds 30 percent or even 40 percent, it's probably too much. That means that you're basically competing against yourself. And Facebook then does what's referred to as deduping. And it, in an essence, it just chooses one of your ads to show the other one doesn't get impressions. So if your audience overlap is less than 30%, is maybe it's 10 or 5%, that's typically fine and you won't have this type of issue. But it's another thing that you can look at inside Ads Manager. Once again, you go up to the upper left-hand corner where it says Ads Manager and then you just shoot over to Audiences and then Inside audiences, if you have a saved audience or a lookalike audience or a custom audience, you can then select audiences that you have in your ads on the left-hand side. And then under actions, you show audience overlap. 
And that show audience overlap will then show sort of these concentric circles of the two audiences that you're comparing. You can see whether or not they actually do overlap. So if you have zero on overlap, that's ideal. That means you're not going after the same audiences. But if you've got 30% or greater, it's probably something that you should maybe consider consolidating. Put that entrepreneur interest with the fast company interest, provided that they're both giving you, you know, good yep. CPAs where you need to be. Combine them together and maybe expand the budget so that you can get your 50 conversions per week. So that's a good solution there. But, you know, the more ad sets, the more interest you have in your campaigns, the more this is going to be an issue. And it's definitely something to check out, especially if you're seeing lack of reach or lack of impression. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you have these split up during that kind of learning phase and you see that fast company maybe is a little bit higher than you'd like, realize this. Let's say your goal as an overall cost per conversion is $6 and, and that fast company one is coming in at 8 well, if that's combined with, with that entrepreneur audience, yeah. there's a high likelihood that it's going to perform better now that it's combined with that. You know, as long as your budget's not 3000 a day or something like that. But there's, there's a high likelihood if you give Facebook its time to do its thing and you're getting those 50 conversions a week, at least inside that ad set, that fast company will actually perform better now that it's combined than it did before. So the overall average might come down below eight. You're not going to know because it's combined, but that's okay. It's just yep. understanding that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that would be the first thing that I would do for sure. You know, you might actually have some synergy between those two audiences, you know, and then maybe test some new creatives and do all the other things that we recommend here as well. I mean, you might actually get a lower cost per acquisition when you combine things together, especially if you're feeding the algorithm those, those 50 conversions per week at bare minimum. The more conversions, obviously, the better, especially if you're running uh, website conversion campaigns. So the last one and number five is a real simple one is if you have an older ad you've been running for quite some time, let's say you've been running it for three to six months and it's not getting impressions, you need to change out your ad. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you might actually need to just take the ad out, use the same image, same ad copy, and create a brand new, what we refer to in number one is a new post ID inside Ads Manager. We found that this oftentimes will reset negative feedback and positive feedback and everything else. But at the end of the day, if you have ads that are just not performing, Facebook doesn't want you to show the same ad forever. You need to have other ads in store. Even if things are going great right now, get your designer to create some new images, get your copywriter or start writing some alternate copy you know, for ads because at some point, it will be probably three to six months, you're going to need those other creatives. You're going to need the, those other ad copies because the ads that you have running right now will eventually tire. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. I think, Keith, you've probably seen this in some cases where ads just run like the Energizer Bunny and we can't explain why. But in most cases now, you do have to freshen up your ad copy. You have to freshen up your creative. You have to freshen up your video. Whatever it happens to be, start fresh. You can target yes. the same audiences, you know, maybe with a slightly different hook like we were talking about before we got on today. The point is, is that you can't continuously run that same ad that did so well a year ago. It's like, oh, that was my all-star ad, and now it's not performing. What's going on? Facebook is telling you, 
you need to change. You need to rotate it out. Yeah. And that's just to prove a point. To prove a point that is if you get the messaging right, one ad can run for a long time, but that doesn't mean you, yes. you let it, you know, it needs to be rotated or it needs to have other ads that are similar. So if you crush it out of that one, do one that's very similar to that and let them run simultaneously or turn one off for a while and turn another one off or, or you know, a few versions of, of those. One of the, the best parts about the whole Michigan method, I, I've always thought was it forced you to create so many different creatives. And so you end up having that high ad rotation. Anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. Hope this was helpful. Once again, at the show notes, this is going to be digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 131. We'll have some of the things that we referenced, screenshots, Facebook Live article, stuff like that. And then I've actually got a bonus one that I was going to talk about, a little bonus tip that'll help you reach those different types of people like we talked about earlier uh, without necessarily having to just you know, increase your budget or sometimes even having to create a new ad. Um, but I want to wait because we covered so much and I'll wait until the, the next episode. So that's a little teaser for you. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Ralph, why don't you just real quick run through them super fast, the five, and then we'll have them listed on the show notes for you as well. And we will wrap it up. First off, you've got low relevance score, high negative feedback, low positive feedback. Cure is to create new ads. Number two is if you have too much text in your image or your thumbnail in your video, your cure is to reset the thumbnail or redo your image with less text. Number three is if you're not fulfilling the, the 50 plus conversions per ad set per week algorithm rule, you can set different conversion event for optimization, maybe something further up the funnel, like your add to cart or maybe a landing page view or expand your budget so that you do get that seven to 10 conversions per day and hit that 50 minimum number, if not more. So number four is if you have too much audience overlap between ad sets, the cure is to check the overlap tool and consolidate your audiences and audience overlap tool is under audiences inside ads manager. Super easy to do that. And then number five is if you just have older ads that have been running for a long time and you see the cost per acquisition creeping or the impressions not getting as much reach as it used to, surprise, surprise, create new ads, freshen stuff up. And that'll typically revive a lagging campaign right there. So there's your five. Sweet. Good stuff. I uh, hope this is helpful. Hit the show notes. Other than that, I hope you're having an amazing year and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. See you. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.